I'm glad that you're here this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name is Todd Cullen. I'm the lead pastor. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I, how, how many of you have like sore backs and, and sore muscles that you haven't been sore in like 20 years? Are right? yeah, you with me? Yeah, yeah. Kind of part of our life right now, isn't it? It's crazy. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Just wanted to make mention of a couple things uh, this morning. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I wanted to uh, thank a group of people who have signed up to be a part of our Hurricane Matthew uh, relief and recovery effort. Uh, there is a group of people that uh, have been at work for literally hundreds of hours combined uh, over the course of the last 10 days. And uh, you see some pictures back here. A couple of these guys I sh that's came, went to a house yesterday, and no kidding, there were like 20 chainsaws laying on the ground. And uh, so they, they, they were taking a break, I think, during that time. But they want to be called God's chainsaws. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I like that. Isn't that cool? And uh, chainsaws for God. Yeah, yeah. They want the T-shirt, I think, is what they want. So, uh, man, I'm so thankful. And some of you have been the recipients of that assistance. Some of you have been part of assisting. Um, for those who are here this morning and you're a part of that assistance team, would you just raise your hand if you played a part in that? And any of you here this morning? Thank you guys so much, man. Thank you guys so much. Diane. Diane and, and Steve, Diane Simmons and, and Steve uh, Donovan have been quarterbacking that team and have done a great job. And uh, as a church, we're really making a difference. And we will continue to. And here's what I want to encourage you with. Um, the, the deal is with a storm like this, the aftermath of a storm like this, uh, it is going to be weeks and, and months uh, of recovery. It's not just going to be the last 10 days of recovery. And, and I don't know about you, but I want Hilton Head Island Community Church to be in it for the long haul. Are you with me? And uh, we've got a real opportunity to be a part of something, not just for a period of time and then see you later and good luck, but we've got an opportunity to be a part of something for a long time. Uh, light shines brightest when it's in the darkness, and it's a dark time for our community right now, and we've got a great opportunity to let that light shine in an amazing way. And uh, so I want to encourage you, if you haven't, um, go to the front of our website, and you can sign up to be a part of that relief team. Uh, those chainsaws, you know, for God team. And, uh, and they do other things. It's not just that, okay? So debris removal, we help out a little bit. And if we get to a point where we know a contractor is needed, all right, it's beyond the scope of volunteer work, believe me, we, we say so. And uh, so I want to encourage you to sign up. It just takes a second to sign up. You'll get emails uh, and, and texts and that sort of thing uh, about where we're providing relief and how you can play a part. I also want to encourage you at this phase of the recovery as a church that we need to be aware and watchful and have eyes um, kind of wide open for those neighbors and, and people in our community that are in need right now. Because sometimes what happens is a week or two into recovery, um, the excitement and the enthusiasm about helping begins to wane, all right? And I want our church to be a part of this for a long time. And so if you know of someone who is in need, uh, whether it's something that's tangible and physical or whether it's something that's financial, encourage them to go to the front of our website where they can fill out a form for assistance. And that just helps us to be able to stage and, and find out when and how quickly we can be a part of helping out. And you guys are going to be here more about some communities that are slow to recover with uh, on the island. And uh, so you're going to be hearing a little bit more about that in the days to come. All right. So you'll hear 
a little bit about that in the days to come. Uh, also, I wanted to mention this. Um, I want to thank you so much for your generosity. And if you saw in the front of your worship folder this morning, you're like, wow, what a great week we had last week. 38,000 compared to our, our weekly need of 14-something. But um, that's two weeks worth, okay? So uh, don't be deceived, all right? That's like, you know, we're averaging above, and we are so thankful, and I'm thankful for your contribution and your obedience to God, and I'm thankful for him providing, but I want to encourage you, if you are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church week in and week out, day to day, um, I want to encourage you and challenge you to keep on giving. There's never been a time in the life of our church where we collectively need to be more consistent in giving back a portion of what God has given us. And, and in doing that, we are expressing our thankfulness to him, and we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we, each one of us? And so I want to encourage you to give. I want to encourage you to do that regularly. If you have never experienced the joy of giving, it's fantastic, and we don't put a lot of pressure on you here to do that, but we do make it easy for you. You can get out your app, and you can download our app and give that way very easily. You can do it online, or you can give it physically in the form of check or cash right back there at the guest service desk, or uh, as you leave today, there are two giving stations that are right there. There. And so I want to encourage you, if you're part of the church family, to give today, all right? Hey, I have got a special friend that I want to introduce you to this morning. Um, it's not too many times in, in your life that you can say you have someone who was a mentor and a friend and at one point in time a boss. Um, but I've got all three of those. You know, see, usually one of those goes awry, doesn't it, at some point in time? I mean, let's just be honest, right? <laughs> And uh, Ike Reichard uh, is here today, and Ike, I'm going to have you come on up here, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ike, but why don't you give him a big warm welcome this morning. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Appreciate that, buddy. Thanks. Uh, Ike and his wife, Robin, is here, and they're from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and uh, back uh, 20 years ago, 19, I guess, years ago, uh, Cynthia and I moved to Atlanta. I was working in the telephone business, running running fast from God in my calling, running far away from him. And uh, he, um, he took a chance on Cynthia. And then he took a chance on me. And he hired Cynthia to be a, the keyboard player at a church that Ike was starting in Cobb County called North Star Church. And we had the privilege of joining and moving there right at the time that we joined in a month in. Right. And uh, uh, a few years later, in 2002, he took a chance on me. Uh, and and I, I really started listening to God again and, and really started pursuing that ministry calling that God gave me. And I got to tell you that Hilton Head Island Community Church is here today in part because of the influence that Ike has played in our lives. Am I right, Cynthia? And if you wonder where in the world we got this idea of going into our community to reach people who are lost, who don't know Jesus as their Savior, and who are the, kind of the lost sheep as Jesus describes them, um, it's, it's this guy. He modeled it for us in an amazing way. He taught me how to love people, and he taught Cynthia how to love people and care for people, and I don't know a better pastor. And six months ago, when we asked him to be a part of Sunday morning and be a part of our series uh, called Life Without a Net, little did we know that we would have just come on the heels of the worst hurricane in so many years here on our island. And I can't think of a better person to bring what God has for us today uh, to us and to you. And so uh, he is the uh, pastor of Piedmont uh, Church in, in uh, Cobb County in Georgia. Uh, he has served on corporate uh, corporations 
Williams. He was the pastor of New Hope Church and of North Star Church, and I'm so glad he's here. Ike, thank you so much for being here. So why don't you give thank it up you, once pastor. again for Ike. Appreciate man. that. Thank you. All right. Well, I made a good move the day that uh, Cynthia came on our staff and a good move the day that Todd came on our staff. Aren't you glad that you have this couple helping to lead your church? Man, I'm proud of them. I want you to know. They did a great job. Todd and I have both enjoyed working for Cynthia. We really have. She is a dynamo buddy. Let me tell you, she is a processor. And when you, if you have any wisdom whatsoever and you are a visionary, you make sure that you have processors around you because they can take your dreams and they can help turn them into realities. They can take some aspirations that you might have and they can turn them into accomplishments because they know how to execute. And that's the key to everything is knowing how to execute. And so I can't thank Cynthia enough for coming on that staff and then later uh, Todd following her there and being with us till they went up to New York City. So very proud of them and very honored to be with you today. And Todd uh, mentioned my wife, Robin. Robin, would you stand up? She, she just loves it when I do things like this. This is my wife, Robin, and normally... Normally, Robin doesn't get to travel with me, and even in church, we never get to sit together, and so it's really interesting because people do, do not know who she is in the church, and they try to fix her up on dates. They, uh, they say, you know, we noticed you're always here at church by yourself, and I have a brother and would love to be able to introduce you to him, and so she hasn't gone out on more than five dates, and uh, I really appreciate her just kind of holding it down in that particular area, but it's fun for me to be able to have her with me today. And then also my very best friend uh, as a kid when I moved to downtown Atlanta, his name's Steve Wilson. He and his wife Linda are right over here. Raise your hand there, guys. And they're my buddies, and I'm so glad that they're here today. Let me tell you why I love being with people that I know, or at least some of the people in the audience know me, because my name is so weird. It is so different. My name is Ike Reichard, and it is not easy to say, and particularly if you get in a hurry, you can really trip over it, and normally at a restaurant, when they begin to pause at the name, I just usually go here, and about nine times out of ten, I'll be right, we'll be the people, and the best way I always illustrate it, true story, uh, I'm a Billy Graham. Graham fan. I love Billy Graham. Adored Billy Graham. Used to listen to him in the radio on Sunday nights and would sit there with a yellow legal pad and copy down everything he was saying. And the next speaking engagement I got, I'd use my Billy Graham message. I mean, I had that thing down pat. So I always wanted to meet him. It was just a dream to be able to meet him. And so finally in Asheville, North Carolina, I was in an event and there was a line of people that were walking up to meet him. And when I finally got there and the person stepped out in front of me, I just stood there and stared at him. Uh, he's got these amazing blue eyes, and so he's obviously expecting me to introduce myself, but I'm an idiot, and so I'm going to really prove that in a moment. And so finally he goes, your name? And I said very proudly and very clearly, Reich Eichert. And... Uh, 
And Dr. Graham said, Reich is an unusual name. <laughs> I said, yeah, ain't it? So if any of you ever run into Billy Graham, you can tell him at least I finally know how to pronounce my name. So it's good to be with friends that know how to do that. And it's good to be here in your community, especially after everything that you've been through. Goodness gracious. I mean, as Robin and I were driving in, we started kind of seeing devastation when you were really over near Statesboro, Georgia, and you were beginning to see just, you know, trees down everywhere and uh, all the rain that you had and all the, the difficulties. And you know what? It takes a toll on you. So I thought, you know, I'm going to start out with something a little bit lighter hearted another true story told by one of my favorite writers, a man named Max Lucado, and it's about a bird, and his name is Chippy the Parakeet. So I want you to listen to Chippy and see if you can relate to his story. He said, Chippy the Parakeet never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, and the next second he was sucked in, he was washed up, and he was blown over. And the problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and she stuck it inside the cage. And at that moment, her telephone rang. So she turned around to pick it up and she heard a sound, soop. And old Chippy had been sucked inside the vacuum cleaner. The bird on her gas, she put down the phone, she turned off the vacuum, she unzipped it, she unzipped it and opened up the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Amen? Can, can you relate? Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him, she raced to the bathroom, and she turned on the water faucet and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and now shivering, she did what any compassionate bird owner would do. She reached over and grabbed the hair dryer and she blasted him with hot air. Poor old Chippy, the reporter said, never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, and I'm here a few days after the trauma, the reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how was Chippy recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just kind of sits there and stares. Can y'all relate to that? I bet you you can. Now, Max Lucado goes ahead and he says, you know, it's not hard to see why. He got sucked in, he got washed up, and he got blown over. And he said, that's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. And then Lucado goes on to ask, can you relate to Chippy? Because you see, most of us can one minute you're seated in familiar territory with a song on your lips, and in your case, the National Weather Bureau comes in, and then your local government agencies come in and say, you need to evacuate the island. But Lucado talks about the pink slip comes in, the rejection letter arrives, the doctor calls, the divorce papers are delivered, and the check bounces. A policeman knocks at your door, and soup. You're sucked into a black cavern of doubts. You're doused with the cold water of reality. You get stung with the hot air of empty promises. And the life that has seemed so calm is now so stormy. You are hell-stormed by demands. You're assailed by your doubts. You're pummeled by your questions. And somewhere in a trauma, we lose our joy. Somewhere in the storm, we lose our song. Well, you've certainly been through your storm. 
Matthew, a Category 5, when it came ripping across the Bahamas, everybody was watching that storm. Everyone was wondering where is going to be landfall, what's going to happen. And I know this area that you live in has been very secure for like a hundred years. There hasn't been a major storm that's come through and you got hit by that storm and you survived the physical storm. You, you made it through the physical storm, but what about the emotional storm that still left? What about uh, the spiritual storm that it leaves you? Because when you go through things like this, they don't leave you the same. Nor normally what I've always found is you either get bitter or you get better. And I also know that storms come. I mean, it is a part of the matrix of life. So what I want to help you do today, and I know you've been doing life on the tight wire, right? And you, you've been talking about living without a net. What, what is it like to be on a tight wire and not to have a net underneath you? And so what I want to do today is kind of dovetail what you've been talking about by giving you some principles today that will help you to be able to put your life together, not just because of the way that Matthew may or may not have impacted your life, but what about the other things that you face in life? What about when your career is not going the way that you thought that it was going to go? What about when all of a sudden the job that you counted on suddenly went away and you find yourself out there on the tight wire and you're wondering how in the world are you going to make it? How in the world are you going to get through? Or maybe it's the marriage that ends. Or maybe it's the opportunity that you thought was going to be a rock-solid opportunity and suddenly it gets taken out from in under you. There are so many other storms that we can go through. When the doctor gives you that call and says, hey, we've gotten back the test results and we want you to know where things are. And sometimes the storm can come so suddenly. I experienced mine on April the 30th. After Robin and I had had a great day and uh, just had a, a wonderful time out shopping at a mall there in Atlanta called Lenox Square. Uh, we were on the way back to our home. We were very close to our home. And all of a sudden, I just felt really tired. Just very, very tired. And I normally do not feel tired. And I commented on it, and Robin said, well, when we get home, can you just stay home? No, I got something I got to run over to the church and do. We're showing a movie. And so we go in the house, and I continue to feel tired. And then I got this unusual aching in my jaw. And ladies in particular, listen really carefully, uh, because it was in my lower jawline, and I had read... I was on Bleacher Report reading the sports. I always keep my priorities right. And uh, there was one of those little pop-up ads that came up, and it said, how to recognize heart attack symptoms in a woman. And I thought, well, you know, I ought to read that because you never know what could happen at church or with Robin or someone else. And so I read that article, and one of the signs was that you would begin to ache in your lower jaw and your teeth would begin to hurt. That was my own, only symptom. There was no elephant on the chest. There was no radiating pain, no, no breaking out in sweat, no nausea, none of those kinds of things. And so I, I told my church after all this was over, I always knew I was like one chromosome away from being female. I mean, I, I really did. And uh, our former governor in Georgia is on a, a board of an organization that I serve. And he looked at me and said, well, Ike, at, at least now you won't have to worry about whatever the Supreme Court decides on the bathroom issue. You can go wherever you want to go. And so, I, you know, I'm one of those very fortunate people, I guess, that can just go in any direction. But uh, 
I'm lying there. Uh, they sent out a, a 911. Uh, my wife and daughter did. And the ambulance comes, and they let me up in the back of the ambulance. I've never even been in an ambulance before, let alone be the merchandise inside there. And so I'm lying on this stretcher. And let me tell you what I'm doing. Uh, you guys uh, Chris Tomlin fans? I'm, I'm a Chris Tomlin fan. And um, we love that song in our church, He's a Good, Good Father. You know, He's a Good, Good Father. And I'm lying on that stretcher, and I'm singing the song, Good, Good Father, to myself. And I'm quoting the 23rd Psalm. And I'm lying there, and I'm just absolutely calm, totally calm. Now, now let me tell you, if you're going to thrive in the storm, here, here's, here's the first thing you got to understand. If you're going to thrive in the storm, you've got to realize that a faith that's never been tested can't be trusted. I was about to go through the testing of my faith. I'd always said, I'm not afraid to die. And, uh, and, and that's because I wasn't sick. And so it's easy to say it then. I always would say, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? Uh, you know, I want somebody to call me and go, dude, did you know you're gone? And you go, wow, okay, well, I'm already in heaven. That worked out really well. So here I am in the back of this ambulance. And, and this young lady looks at me that's in the back of the ambulance. Says she was the only person there. She goes, sir? And I opened up my eyes and I said, yes, ma'am. She said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are you aware that you are having a cardiac event? I said, ma'am, an event to me is a rodeo, a movie, or a concert. That's an event. Are you asking me if I'm aware that I'm having a heart attack? And she said, yes. And I said, yeah, I, I am. I thought that's what was going on. I'm having a heart attack. She goes, how are you so calm? How are you so calm? And I said, well, first of all, you know, I said, I'm a person of faith. And I have a very strong faith, belief in God. And so I've got that. And I said, and, and I would think that uh, you've been highly trained in what you do. God, please, please don't get, don't give me a moron today. Don't give me somebody in the bottom one third here. Give me somebody at the top of the class. And you're taking me to a hospital, and there's really great people at that hospital. And I said, so that's that's what I'm counting on. And uh, she said, I have never seen anyone as calm as you are. And all it simply was is I have an abiding trust and faith in God and now my faith was about to be tested you, you know what Jesus said he said everybody's going to go through this yeah he did he said in this world you will have tribulation not you might he says no you know you're going to have tribulation in your life and here's a place where he compares it to builders. So if you got a Bible, great. If not, they'll pop the verses up for you on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 7. I want you to listen to this because it is so insightful. And it may help you to answer some questions in your mind. And when other people question you, they say, well, if God's so good, why does he allow all these bad things to happen? You know, why does God allow bad things to happen? It's hard for people to really question me at depth on that. And think that I have a Pollyanna faith because I've gone through the loss of a wife and child during childbirth. So uh, I'm not Pollyanna. Uh, I'm not just waxing over something going, oh, well, da-da-da-da. Now, I've been there in the crucible. So here's what Jesus said about how life works and about how things will happen in your life. He says, so therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and he acts on them, I will compare him to a wise man. Well, Jesus 
What does a wise man do? Well, he tells you, he built his house upon the rock. So immediately we're given the image here, a metaphor of stability, a rock, something that's absolutely solid. Now, Jesus is saying, if you're a wise person, you build your life on something that's rock solid, like the principles of Scripture. But what he says next may surprise you. So if I build my life on these godly principles, what should I expect? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon that house. And it fell not because it was founded upon the rock. Now here's the interesting part. Jesus is talking about this guy doing the right things, building his house on the rock. But I want you to notice the elements, and I want you to notice the order that they fall in. Because he says, he's given you an image. The rain descended, coming down. The floods came up. Y'all just experienced that, right? And then he said the wind was blowing. Did y'all notice during the hurricane that the wind was blowing in every direction? Every direction. He's given you an image here of a life under assault. It seems like things are coming down on my head. It seems like things are coming up from beneath my feet. And the wind is just blowing in every direction. You're, you're being assailed from every point that you can possibly be assailed from. And this is the person that built their house upon the rock. And then the, being the master storyteller is, he contrasts it. And he says, now, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. In other words, they do not build their life on scriptural principles. That's what he means, these sayings of mine. He says, they will be likened to a foolish man. Well, what does a foolish man do? He said, uh, they build their house on sand. When you think of sand, it's transitory. When you think of sand, it's always changing. It's ebbing and flowing. It's moving back and forth with the ocean in the area where you live. If anybody knows it, you know it. So here's this one imagery that he creates of a rock that is absolutely solid. Then he creates this idea over here of the sand. And then if you'll start reading, you'll notice the very same elements in the very same order fall. Whether you are a wise man or whether you are a fool, the very same elements, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. Now, here's a great question. Hey, Ike, then why should I be a Christian? If you're going to tell me, isn't this the way that you kind of get it sometimes from people who look at you and go, well, why would you believe in a God that allows bad things to happen? Uh, why would you worship a God that allowed your fathers to develop Alzheimer's? Why, why would you love a God that allowed your child to develop leukemia? Why, why would you do this? Why would you do that? I mean, if God's going to allow this to happen, it's somehow because you're a Christian, God doesn't develop this plexiglass shield and put it around you. So when, thing, when the world throws its stuff at you that it stops it, then why even be a Christian? It is a valid question. It is the number one question that people ask about God. If God is so loving, if God is so just, then why do bad things happen to good people? That's usually the way that they put the phrasing together. Well, it's not because we're a Christian that somehow all these bad things are not going to come at us. No, it's the end result. 
Because if you will notice, he said in that house that was built upon the rock and the winds came and the floods and all of these other things, he said, but that house stood. But about this house that was built upon the sand, he said, it fell and great was the fall of it. It fell. It's not that being a Christian is going to stop all these bad things from happening to you. The difference is you're going to be able to not only survive the storm, but listen to me, you can thrive in the storm because those storms are either going to leave you, leave you bitter or better. They're not going to leave you the same. They, they won't do it. You will either become compassionate and caring or you'll become cynical and cold. When you go through these different storms in your life, and so every one of us go through it. William Shakespeare said, uh, into uh, every life some rain must fall. And he was quoting the Bible. He was actually quoting Matthew 5, 45, where it says it rains upon the just and the unjust. It rains upon the just and the unjust. Now, Shakespeare, a little too deep for me. Scripture, I love Scripture, but that's a pretty deep thing with Scripture. Here's the way I best understood it. It was in a Snoopy comic strip. And Snoopy was lying on top of his doghouse, lying on top of the doghouse. He's looking up into the sky, and it is pouring down rain, and Snoopy's just looking up. And then Snoopy, out there in the little bubble circle, quotes the scripture, it rains on the just and the unjust. And then there was another little bubble that had a paw print which meant Snoopy was adding a postscript, and Snoopy's postscript said, and it's raining right in my face. Amen? It, you tell me all about it raining on the just, you can tell me all about it raining on the unjust, but when it's raining right in my face, that's when everything comes home. Listen, if your faith has never been tested, you don't know if your faith can be trusted. Isaiah 55, 8, God says, for my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I do things different than the way you think that I ought to do them. But can I tell you something? Your community right now, because of the storm, their faith is being tested. Do you realize you will probably never have a better chance to impact people who will never walk through those doors than what you've got right now? And, uh, you know, God's Chainsaw Brigade, where, where are all those people again? Let me, let me see their hands. I'm proud of y'all. Way, way to go. Freddy Krueger and all those Friday the 13th movies gave chainsaws a very bad name. And y'all are obviously giving them a much better name. So way to go. There's never a better time for God's people to shine than when there is a disaster going on and you go out and you do what you do because you love people and you don't have to hand them a pamphlet telling them that. You're showing up in their space. And you're saying you matter to me because people matter to God. And we're here to do ministry with no strings attached. When you do that, that's called love and action. And when people see love in action, it will absolutely change their lives. There's no question about it. So if you're going to thrive in the storm, just always keep in mind a faith that's never been tested can't fully be trusted. And when God fully tests your faith, 
you're going to grow even stronger in your faith. The adverse things will make you stronger. Another scripture says we are stronger in the broken places. We're stronger in the broken places. I also have learned this in life, that life is tissue paper thin. Life is tissue paper thin. You know, all of a sudden, a storm develops off the coast of Africa. And your whole world is going to be impacted. Your, your whole way of life is going to be impacted. Life is tissue paper thin. If you're going to thrive in this world, in the middle of all your storms, you just have to understand that things can change very, very quickly. But here's, here's my third little bullet point for you, and it's good news. Nothing ever catches God off guard. Nothing ever catches God off guard. As you can tell, I'm not the brightest lamp, you know, in the house, but I, I love to think things through. Here's my greatest theological thought. I hope this just overwhelms you the way it does me. Are you ready? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? God has never been sitting around in heaven with a bunch of angels. And I was like, huh, never thought about that. That never happened. That's good news to me. That means that God is sovereign. God is absolutely sovereign. Nothing ever catches God off guard. But you know what happens? We get caught off guard. See, you know what happens when we get caught off guard? It troubles our faith. But can I tell you something? A troubled faith is better than no faith at all. It troubles my faith when I go to a funeral like I did this week. On Friday, and I see a 21-year-old lady who had so much incredible future, so beautiful inside and out, so talented as an athlete and everything else. And I, I see this young lady lying there in a casket because of an accidental drug overdose. That troubles my faith. It troubles my faith when I have a little boy in my church named Lake Bosman. And Lake at 16 years old, already a terrific athlete, already dreamed of playing in the NBA one day. I mean, Lake was just one of those superior young men. And he, and he gets, comes home really tired one day, and his mom takes him because she thinks, well, maybe, maybe he's getting a virus, and they find out he's in stage 4 leukemia. And I watched the best of the best of the best try to save him. And I eventually watched Lake get to the point where he tells me, hey, preacher, I'm not afraid to die. So, boy, boy, that troubled my faith. I watched the Atlanta Hawks do something that uh, I will love them to the day I die, and especially Dominique Wilkins because they signed him to a one-day contract. And while he sat on the bench while they were doing the warm-ups before the game, I went to Phillips that night just to be there for Lake. I watched Dominique Wilkins get up from the announcer's table and I watched him walk over and ask Lake for his autograph. I wish there were more people who did things like that. But it troubled my faith. But my troubled faith is better than no faith at all. And listen, here's what ultimately happens. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, he said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is, the trouble. He said, doesn't matter how great the pressure is. What matters is where does that pressure lie? Does it push you closer to the heart of God? Or does it push you away from God? He says, that's what matters. 
Because all of us are, are going to be changed. All of us are, are going to go through things. And, and when you go through trouble and you handle it the right way, can I tell you something? Trouble handled the right way honors God. That's why I'm challenging you as a church. See, you're already positioned for this. You're already an outward-focused church. You're already a church that realizes the only way we can ever reach our community is to get outside of these walls and then turn these walls into something that our whole community wants to come into. And now you've got that opportunity. You can take trouble in your own life and handle it the right way and it will speak volumes to people. Because whenever things going good in the Christian's life, nobody's worrying about is your faith real or not. They're going to watch you when things go south. They're going to watch you when the storms come. They're going to watch you when disappointment breaks your heart. How are you going to handle it? Troubled, handle the right way. Always, always honors God. Which brings me to another little point with it, and that is, it's one thing to tell your story, but it's another thing to live it. Isn't that the truth? Don't we all like to be on the other side of something where we tell our story, and we go, oh, let me tell you how God came through for me and did da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But when you're living the story, it's scary. Because you're going, hey, hey, God, are you going to show up in this thing? I mean, are you, are, you, are you going to do what I'm hoping that you're going to do in this situation? It's one thing to tell your story. It's another thing to be able to live your story. And your story is about what do you do when the heat's on. And, and here's my advice to you. Whenever you find yourself in a situation that's a difficult situation, it's a storm, it's whatever it is in your marriage, in your career, uh, in an interaction with neighbors, whatever it is, here's what you do. Live your story in that moment, in that moment, the way when you get over here and it's months or years later and you want to tell people about what you did. Live your life then the way you want to tell your story now without having to change your story at all. You just think that way. You learn to think that way. How do I need to handle this situation? Then remember, look, we're, we're, we're all going through these things. You're, we're all going to have our story. You know, Sozin Kierkegaard, an existentialist philosopher, said, we all live life going forward, but we only understand it when we look backward. That was Todd's whole introduction of me today. Uh, you know, he's looking back now 20 years later. Here's how we interacted and our lives interacted together. And here's how things worked out. That's, that's the way that life is. You live it going forward, but you understand it when you look backward. Then remember this. God is a fact. He's not a feeling. He's a fact. He's not a feeling. I told the earlier crowd... Are there ever those times, how many people in this room are married? Let me see your hands. Okay, put them back down. Y'all ever have words with each other? Robin, Robin and I both have words with each other this morning. I, I didn't get to use mine, but we both, uh, we both had words this morning a little bit earlier. But, uh, uh, but here, here's my point. There's sometimes you feel really, really married, don't you? You remember how cool Friday nights used to be and Saturday nights when you were young and you were dating and Friday nights were cool. You couldn't wait to get off work, man. It is the weekend. This is so cool, man. I'm going to go out. We're going to have a blast. We're going to do all these different things. 
And then you've been married for a while, and Friday night is like, the lines are shorter at Publix. <laughs> and you actually get fired up about going to Costco because they got samples you can eat. This is so sad when your marriage has gotten to this stage, but that's, that's where sometimes it gets. And, and when you're there in that moment, you feel so married. When you're sitting there thinking about, well, here's what it used to be, and now here's what it is. Man, I feel married. But yet you may come down here to Hilton Head, and you might have a convertible. My wife has a convertible. And you may pull up to a red light, and you got the top down, and you're sitting there, and some pretty young lady pulls up beside you, and maybe because she feels sorry for you, uh, she actually smiles at you or something or another, and all of a sudden you feel so cool, and your testosterone levels surge, and you kind of look over and you smile back, and uh, you don't feel as married in that moment. You can ask your wife this question if you like. Are you any less married at that moment than you are in Costco or Publix on Friday night? And she'll say, no, you're not. You're just as married. Why? Because you made a commitment. You made a commitment. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to hear. Because I promise you there's going to be times that you're going to go, I don't feel God. I don't feel him. I don't feel him in the situation. I feel like my prayers are bouncing up the ceiling, coming right back down in my lap. I do not feel God in this situation. Here's where you remind yourself, God is a fact. He is not a feeling. Alan Redpath said, nothing will ever touch my life that's not been filtered through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everything that touches our lives. That's, that's what I believe. I believe in the sovereignty of God. That God's in control of our lives, which then you have to answer the question, if you're somebody who believes like me, then why do these things come into your life? I believe because adversity is God's way of preparing us to be able to help other people. I, I really do. And he wants you to get past worshiping him for what he gives to you. God wants you to worship him for who he is and not what he does or not what he allows into your life. And it's a part of your spiritual growth. And listen, when those times are tough, never doubt in the dark what God has shown you to be true in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has shown you to be true in the light. Um, C.S. Lewis, one of the most brilliant Christian apologists who ever lived, he didn't get married till later on, and he married a woman named Joy Davidman. If you ever want to watch the story, the movie is called Shadowlands, and uh, it's a, a great, great movie. But they got married. It wasn't long after they were married. He waited for all these years, and she had cancer. And it was a fast-growing cancer, and she ended up dying. And he was writing about it later, and he said, let me tell you something. Uh, because people were saying, well, God was testing your faith. Well, God was testing your faith. God was testing your faith. He said, let me tell you something. God has not been trying an experiment on my faith to find out its quality level. He said, God already knew. He said, I was the one who didn't know. Faith will get tested. And only when it's tested can you trust it. In Matthew 10, 27, God gives us some tremendous advice when we're in the middle of the storms. He says, be quiet during the times when it's dark. He says, be quiet in the dark 
There's going to be a day when it gets light and you can speak. And Paul talks about those days in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. He says, no one can comfort like those who have been comforted. So you know why you go through adversity? Adversity is God's way of preparing you to help other people. And the whole reason you were put into this world, I want you to think about this. Your story, there's a Nobel Prize winning physicist who said, I no longer believe the universe is held together by atoms. I I believe it's held together by stories. But hear me clearly, your story is not just for you. God gave you your story to share with other people. And adversity is God's way of preparing you to help others. And those whom God will use greatly, you're not going to like this, but he will break deeply. That's A.W. Tozier. If you're an Andy Stanley fan or you're a Louis Giglio fan in Passion City and the Passion Conferences, that's probably the theologian that impacted their lives more than anyone was A.W. Tozier. And he says, those whom God will use greatly, he always breaks deeply. And I'll end you this with a quote. From the guy that, this quote helped me on some dark, dark days in my life. His name's Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He said, God's too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, meaning I don't understand why things have worked out the way. I don't understand. My wife lost a fiance when they were three months from getting married and he was killed in an accident. She she will never be able to trace that hand in this lifetime. God's too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. When I can't trace his hand, I can always trust his heart. The essence of Christianity is trust. Do you trust God's heart even when the tough times are there? Martha, I'm going to raise your brother, Lazarus, and he's going to be raised from the dead. Oh, Jesus, I know. I know one day in the great resurrection he'll be raised from the dead. And he looked at her and he said, I am the resurrection. You're looking for an event, and you're looking at the event right here. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And if he dies, he's talking about physically, we're all going to die. But he says, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he's talking about our spirits. Every one of our physical bodies are going to die. That's going to happen. But our spirits, they're going to continue to live forever. And so then he says to Martha, do you believe Do you believe it? And that's the essence of Christianity. Do you believe that you can trust your soul to God? I believe you can. Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Father, thanks for a time in your word today. Thank you for a group of people that were really focused in. And I'm so thankful for that. That just tells me they get a lot of good preaching here in the life of this church, and they've been taught to listen well. And God, I pray that this message is going to resonate for some people. I think about the people that I talked to after the earlier service. And God, you had this whole thing timed out and planned.
planned. Uh, we had different plans. We were going to do things on Friday and Saturday and with the men. And there were all kinds of things that we were going to do. But God, you, you had a different plan in mind for us. And we trust your hand on this, Lord. We trust your heart because uh, we really don't have a choice. We're like Peter who said, well, where are we going to go if it's not you? Have you ever given your heart and life to Jesus? The guy who led me to Christ said, Ike, it's as easy as ABC. The A was this. He said, acknowledge that God exists. And so I, I did. I, I said, God, I believe that you exist. Oh, my goodness. I look at this universe and I go, how can somebody not believe in God? I look at a newborn baby and go, how in the world would somebody not believe there's a God? Acknowledge God. B, believe on the name of Jesus. Believe on the name of Jesus, meaning I confess my sin. There's your C. And now I confess him as Lord. And I would hope today that you would pray and ask him into your heart and into your life. And I pray that this song will minister to you, that the team's about to share with you. So in the spirit of prayer, would you just stand to your feet? As you do, Father, thank you for the time with a wonderful church. Thank you for my friends, Todd and Cynthia. Thank you, Lord, for their leadership. I pray you'll continue to bless them. Thank you, God, for the staff that does such a wonderful job to set the table for someone like me to walk in. Thank you, God, today for Steve and Linda, the love that I have for them. Thank you, Lord, for my wife, who is my best buddy in the whole world. And I give you thanks for her and my family today. In Jesus' name. And all God's children say.